You're listening to episode 22 with Rob Barnett, founder and CEO of Drop Counter. This episode is brought to you by Mastermeter. Hi, this is Tom Ferguson, VP of Programming for Imagine H2O. This is the podcast that is revolutionizing the way the water industry communicates with the public. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. We're dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you want to overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact. If there's one thing I can be certain of when it comes to you, it's that you love water. And if you're a water utility looking to manage your water you love, then you'll want to talk to our friends over at Mastermeter. They understand that you can't manage what you don't measure, and smart water management begins with accurate measurement. Account for every drop produced and delivered because the utility's progression towards smart cities and IoT begins here. We're trying to be the game changers of communication, and our partner, Mastermeter, is here to deliver game-changing results for you across finance, customer service, and utility operations. They offer an array of products to meet your utility's needs. To determine which smart metering solution is right for you, visit the h2duo.com slash mastermeter. So if you've listened to any other Water in Real Life uh, podcast episodes, you've heard us raving about Imagine H2O and their innovation forum. And that event was what really introduced us to the water tech startup world. And we've been hooked ever since. So one of the perks of this podcast is getting to meet all the different people out in the world trying to make a difference in water. And it was a combo of both that forum and this podcast that made the stars align. And that's how we were able to meet Drop Counter. And We've really enjoyed over the past several months getting to know them better, getting to know their company better, and uh, we're really excited to get the chance to talk with Rob, who is their founder. Um, So Rob gives a little preview of the panel that we're on at the upcoming WaterSmart Innovation Conference in October in Vegas. We, me and Ari Ann, a.k.a. Rogue Water, are on a panel with Drop Counter and Marianne Dickinson from the Alliance for Water Efficiency, and we're going to be discussing the importance of communicating to your Spanish-speaking community. Um, and he gives a little preview about that conversation. Um, he also talks about some of the case studies that they've seen at Drop Counter about how communication is positively impacting customer satisfaction for water utilities, which really backs up the recent survey that J.D. Power and Associates did among residential water customers and something that we've definitely been pointing to a lot in our recent presentations. And of course, we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is mission and values, which are important in any organization. But Rob really talks about why this is so vital for the water sector. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Rob Barnett is the founder and chief executive at Drop Counter, a water SaaS software as a service company that transforms data into actionable information for utility staff and their customers. Rob has spent his career working at the intersection of technology and sustainability in roles with Arthur D. Little, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, and several Silicon Valley startups. He holds a master's degree in engineering from Stanford and an MBA from UC Berkeley. So we're super excited to have you with us here today. Rob, thanks for being brave enough to join us. (laughs) Thanks, great to be here. So that was a nice, that actually I appreciate the succinctness of that bio because when you're reading it for this kind of situation, some of the long ones just feel 
really long. So <laughs> appreciate that. But um, uh, we want to give you a chance to say a little more. So we think that water tech startups are superheroes. And, you know, every great superhero story has a great origin story, you know. So give us, give us a little bit more of your origin story and fill in your timeline a little bit beyond that bio. Mm, interesting question. So, well, I consider myself to be a sustainableist uh, in the sense that I've always really tried to limit my environmental impact. And I think this probably goes way back, uh, way, way back uh, to when I was a kid. So I grew up in a pretty rural situation. My folks uh, were pretty focused on self-sufficiency. We raised chickens, we had pigs, we had gardens. Uh, we even uh, had- Man after my own heart, yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting way to grow up, super fun. Sure. Um, so I think that was always instilled in me in terms of minimizing my footprint. And I sort of took that with an interest in science and technology um, you know, to work for engineering consulting firms, uh, for street strategy consulting firms. And then, as you mentioned, uh, a place called the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, which is in Colorado. Its um, sole mission is to develop energy efficient and renewable energy technologies. That's cool. Uh, it's a super cool place to work. Um, I also started working for smaller companies after that and was really excited about how startups could move really quickly and solve mm -hmm. problems quickly and not necessarily get bogged down with a lot of bureaucratic red tape and process. Uh, so did that for a few years, uh, touched a lot of different technologies, and in 2013 was starting to think about my next move, what I wanted to do next. Um, I had always been really focused on the energy side of things, but I mm -hmm. got interested in water. And uh, as part of my own due diligence, um, pulled out some water bills and tried to understand how much water I personally used. Yeah. And, um, really struggled <laughs> to get some good <laughs> answers in terms of true usage. And even if that use was high, low, right. good, yeah. I just and so at that time, um, I was also familiar with uh, paper customer engagement that I got in the mail once a month. Uh, PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, is my energy supplier. And mm -hmm. so I got these once a month from them. And it was supposed to put into context my energy usage, compare me to other similar homes, and maybe drive me to, to conserve energy. But, um, you know, I opened one or two of them, and then I pretty much knew what everyone was going to say. And so they quickly found their way to the recycling bin, and I <laughs> didn't really do a heck of a lot with that information. So um, as I was thinking about the drop counter concept, I really wanted to focus on connecting with end users and educating them digitally and predominantly through their mobile devices as opposed to conventional paper engagement. Yeah. Dig it. And I love that you guys are so passionate about saving people's times that you even remove the E from drop counter. So like they don't even have to worry about reading that now. Just straight to the R. <laughs> Boy, that's, I would say that's my number one question is what happened to the E? He's busy. He's busy saving water. That's what he's doing. Um, <laughs> so we talk a lot about Imagine H2O on, on the podcast. We're fans, um, especially of 
our our own water Fergie. We have water Fergie, like the music industry has Fergie, and we've got water Fergie as Tom Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> gonna he is gonna love that. Uh, <laughs> and we were lucky enough to get to go to their innovation forum this past spring, and that was kind of our um, introduction to them. <laughs> okay, Arian's losing it over here. <laughs> Just imagining Tom F to the E to the R G U S O P I. Yeah, he totally did. Yeah. Um, and so we're looking around this room and seeing uh, all of these technology folks, and they're bringing their talents to the water industry. And um, you know, you've in your timeline you just gave us, you've you've kind of been a, a part of different companies and started different companies. And you know, you could have taken your talents anywhere. So I know that you said that you got interested in water, but but why? Like, why water? And why do you think it's important to be in this space in this moment? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, well, I think that, you know, I have always been attracted to sustainability-oriented problems to solve, and energy had just been my focus for most of my career. Um, I think when I got interested in water and started meeting people and learning more about the industry, um, you know, I saw many similarities with energy. Primarily, uh, the water sector just has amazing, committed people. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone who works in water is here because they care. They want to yeah. do something meaningful. And uh, I think that that extends to technology-oriented folks, too. Um, you know, our, our developers, our engineers, I mean, they could be doing lots of different things. They could mm -hmm. be developing new chatbots for like e-commerce sites <laughs> or developing apps where you, know, you can superimpose a cowboy hat on like a picture of your cat. Like there's all kinds of like less meaningful things that they could be spending their time on, but because they're committed and they care and they want to do something. God um, bless those that do want to do those silly ones. Cause those make me laugh the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, God bless the people who want to give up the opportunity to build a chat bot for the Googles of the world so that they can, yeah. you know, go save water for a water utility, you know, like it's just, we're such an awesome industry, but, you know, we don't have the sexiness of uh, mm -hmm. most of the companies you see walking around San Francisco where you guys are at, right? You guys are in San Francisco? We're in San Francisco. Yeah, you're right. Down the hub. <laughs> okay, truth or dare for a minute. You ready? You remember playing Truth or Dare? Oh, I'm ready. Not that okay. I've ever played that game. Just kidding. It's really like Truth or Truth. Pleading the fifth. Yeah. Um, so the truth is, utilities aren't always best at communication. No. <laughs> so, uh, so like the public doesn't view their water service any differently than any of the other utilities that they regularly deal with, like gas, telecommunications, electricity. Um, and most of those entities are offering a higher level of service, such as real-time alerts and um, budgeting out, getting alerts when you're exceeding a certain budget or figuring out what you want your budget to be and real-time data and stuff like that. So, so <laughs> how is Drop Counter helping utilities evolve into the age of digital utilities and why is this important to you? Well, another good question. Um, so I think that is part of the problem that we're trying to solve is bringing a modern form of communication, um, filling that gap between utility and customers. So 
we're trying to deliver this higher level of service and it's primarily delivering the information that I had a tough time accessing when I looked at my paper bills Yeah, mm. and then bringing those real time alerts um, to around usage thresholds, leaks, um, you know, your bill is ready for payment. Uh, these are all things that we're trying to deliver today. And I think this goes back to the original insight on for us, which was, you know, access to information really improves customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And access to this information has really become an expectation. And I think that this is based upon all of the information that is now currently provided by other industries. Like this has become the norm. Mm -hmm. And it's been maybe a little slower to get some traction in the water space. But um, you can't fight the future. It's uh, it's happening whether we like it or not. So whether you like it or not, <laughs> I think uh, a couple of interesting examples. Uh, actually, my colleague Kellogg wrote a blog recently, uh, which is on our website. He wrote it um, about our experience with the Dedham Westwood Water District, which is just outside of Boston. And they've actually used a targeted messaging function. So they're actually sending um, alerts regarding hydrant flushing events, specifically to accounts that are going to be affected those on any given day, um, cool. basically giving them advance notice. And yeah. I think there's been a few things that have come out of that. Um, not only do customers actually appreciate the heads up um, and they know what to expect now, mm -hmm. but as a byproduct, that also reduces the number of calls that come into the customer service folks uh, at the water utility. So it basically makes everyone's life a little bit easier. And it again, matches these expectations for real time relevant information on the customer side. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, because you're absolutely right. That is probably, especially if, you, if you're a utility that it's in any sort of situation in terms of um, watering restrictions or you're in a drought or you know you're they're one of the biggest complaints that we get or we got from customers was you're asking us to do all of these things and I just drove by a hydrant that's like pushing out however many and you know there's a lot of reasons for that and you have to explain mm -hmm. that but it would be a really cool thing to be able to tell people ahead of time and just to have like another resource to send people mm -hmm. to and letting them know why they're doing that, why it's happening, um, you know, because one of the things that we get asked actually kind of frequently is, yeah. why can't, well, why can't we just save that water? And there's not really an easy way to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot bigger than just oh. catching it in a Yeah, they're like, just like attach and... a pipe to a <laughs> tanker truck. And we're like, okay, but like, <laughs> like if you think about the number, trucks? yeah, <laughs> like a fleet of tank, like just, train tracks of tanker trucks of sometimes the amount of water that needs to be flushed. So that's really cool to know that, um, that's you guys communicate that. Yeah. 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 And, um, your marketing machine is a, is a good delivery point of, uh, <laughs> information like that. So as content developers, we enjoy seeing what other people are putting out there mm -hmm, and definitely. And if you're going to sign up for a newsletter, I That's think y'all's is a good one to sign yeah. up for. From yeah, it's a great mm -hmm. example of what, you know, what cities can do and what other people can do to have engaging content. When we say create engaging content, tell your story, like you'll have a great example of that. Yeah, so. What that means. <laughs> well, I mean, it's got to be a story, right? I mean, I think mm -hmm. that um, 
you know, we've, we've tried to be industry participants and mm-hmm. perhaps not just a vendor and <laughs> trying yes. to sell a product and service. And I think that, you know, we learn on the fly as well in terms of the different applications for our product based upon feedback from existing customers or even potential new clients ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so being able to communicate that back uh, to the industry, we can all sort of learn uh, as we go along. Yeah, that not just a vendor. Yeah. Industry participant. Yeah, because I feel like that's probably one of the bigger complaints that we hear from utilities is that, um, you know, people get really excited about their idea, but aren't really coming at them with something that solves a problem, a real problem that they have. And so it's kind of cool to know that this whole thing came out of your own problem of trying to figure (laughs) out your own water use and Mm -hmm. you notice that gap in in knowledge and that's that's definitely that's a legit problem that's out there that how can you ask people to save or to be more mindful of how they're using their water when they have no idea how to calculate okay what is a cubic foot of water <laughs> I don't even know what that means so yeah um, <clears throat> so at a water smart innovations conference in Vegas next month uh, the aforementioned marketing machine Kellogg is on a panel with water icon Marianne Dickinson from the Alliance for Water Efficiency and yours truly, Rogue Water. Um, (laughs) And we're going to be discussing the importance of communicating with Spanish-speaking, the Spanish-speaking population in your community. So can you give us a little preview of your take on that conversation and why it's an important one to have? Sure. Um, so I'm excited for that panel discussion. Um, obviously, a, a gold-plated uh, set of panelists. <laughs> um, <laughs> high praise. So um, I think for us, you know, and this goes back probably two years at this point. You know, we were thinking about, hey, we're a company focused on communication. Um, you know, who else can we reach? How do we broaden our scope? And I think it was it was almost embarrassing uh, that it had taken us a year or so to really identify the fact that you know more complete inclusivity uh, basically requires delivery of information in a language that's preferred to the, by the customer. Mm-hmm. So if you want to educate, if you want to develop that relationship, you need to be speaking the same language. And again, whether Spanish is a requirement or just a preference. Um, it's a pretty nice gesture, um, I think, that can be made by utilities to their customers. And a lot of folks do this already through their website, but in terms of more active engagement, I think it's important to have that option uh, presented to end users. Yeah, and I'm so, glad yeah. it took you guys about two years because that's <laughs> why, you know, you got to include us. Yeah. had you done this a year ago, we wouldn't have even done it. all worked out. Yeah, worked out great. And I'm gonna I'm gonna represent the um, the Spanish speaking population as the Zavala on the panel. <laughs> Even though I don't speak Spanish, I can sing it though. Um, <laughs> but I uh, yeah, I was really excited to be um, a part of that. Truth be told, when Killek initially reached out to us. Um, I was kind of like, oh, wow, I actually thought about that. I was like, I myself don't speak Spanish, but then I have been a part of the culture. And to me, it's, 
there's more to communicating than just um, than just translating something, that it's more than just a language barrier, that it's also um, a cultural barrier. And so um, really excited to kind of bring that dynamic to the conversation and, and let people know that um, mm -hmm. there's more, that there's tools like Yell and then they can go above mm -hmm. and beyond and do a little bit more about engaging the culture as a whole. No, that's that's great. I guess what was interesting for us in this process is, and you kind of call this out, I mean, there's literal translation, and then there's more of a contextual translation. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we went about translating to Spanish all elements of our platform, um, it was more of a literal, literal translation, and we had some real Spanish speakers slash water users actually reviewing the product and early this needs to be changed, this doesn't make sense, yes. or just the meaning and context are slightly off. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yeah. There's wow. not just as straightforward as a simple language change, there's more to sure. it. Yeah, it's not just Google Translate, because <laughs> if you just Google Translate, you <laughs> will say something embarrassing. <laughs> Probably get a lot of angry phone calls of something inappropriate that you <laughs> inadvertently put in your water bill. <laughs> um, so Travis Loop, uh, host of the Words on Water podcast through mm -hmm. WEF. He talked about the silver tsunami on one of his episodes, uh, which is basically about this outflow of um, water professionals because they're retiring. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you think water tech startups like Drop Counter are going to play a role in bringing the next generation of like the best and brightest to this sector? And then I have a follow-up question to that, but we'll start with that one. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I think that this kind of builds on an earlier comment around um, the fact that technology is reaching some of these industries that matter allows for the next generation of technologists to really apply their skills to something that they find meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that there are more opportunities, again, outside of building chatbots. Uh, <laughs> Um, and I think similarly, um, as more and more technology is being used and is available for use within the utility, I think that that pulls in the next generation um, of water enthusiasts that would like to work at a utility because they understand that they have modern tools at their disposal as well. Um, so I don't know. I mean, for those that want to make a difference, it, it feels like there's a lot to like about the water industry today. Definitely. Yeah. Consumers and markets are shifting, technology is filtering, and you know, policy is anything but static at this point around everything from water supply to water quality. Right. That is true. Um, well, you have an engineering background, so but like so take off that hat for a second because like the engineers always get all the love in our industry. Like that's where a lot of the YPs, the young professionals are at. So mm -hmm. what are some ways if you had to get creative that you think the public and the private sectors can work together to make to make it more attractive to kind of just the engineering folk. Mm. I don't know if I have a good question to answer that question. Uh, hire all engineers. Right. <laughs> well, do you have all engineers on staff? Yeah. How did you? Um, find yeah, that's an interesting point. I think. Um, we're pretty diverse in our skill set. So we have a lot of hard engineers who, again, are working on this problem because they care and they draw personal benefit um, from working on this. 
-hmm. I think we also have folks who have come from the utility industry uh, who sort of understand from the inside what some of the challenges are in terms of Mm -hmm. information dissemination and just application of holistic technology options. Um, And then we have, you know, folks who are um, like Kellogg, for example, uh, wants to do the right thing, wants to do something that he believes in um, Mm -hmm. as part of a new generation, um, looking to spend their time well, as opposed to just spending their time. Well, we've talked to a few um, startups who haven't, don't feel like they're quite on the, or at the point to commit funds towards the communication piece so kudos to recognizing that because I mean to me I think that's a differentiator is to Mm -hmm. have somebody who's out there telling your story for you Mm -hmm. and the and you know the good work that they're that you're doing Mm -hmm. absolutely so we've talked a little bit about mission driven um, and that's normally technology terminology that's you know wrapped around the nonprofit world um, but, you know, with dealing with water, we do a lot of work that matters, and it's obviously a, a human right, and you have to be that mission-driven person. So tell us what your core values and how you're implementing those into the work that you're doing. <laughs> we are all about some core values. Core values. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I think a couple of them are pretty self-evident and obvious. Um, you know, I think as people working as part of a small team, you know, we try to live by the golden rule. Um, sure. you know, we work together a lot uh, and spend a lot of long hours together. <laughs> sure. um, so I think not only treating folks, you know, with that general principle internally, uh, but also extending that to our user base uh, as well as our, our utility customers as well. Um, so I think, um, again, we're just trying to be industry participants and, um, People before vendors uh, is, yeah. is really what we're trying to do. Yeah, and people before vendors. So spinning this back on you. So what are your core values? Um, being bold. Ooh. Yeah. That's what they looking at the vision board. Oh, I yeah. Because I don't have anything memorized. <laughs> I have nothing memorized. This is an open book test. <laughs> um, authenticity. Um, and I have to find them. Are, oh, staying curious. Yeah. Um, Because they're all intermingled in our, what is that called? Vision Vision board. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Come on. Where's the other ones at? Swiftly moved into the portion that's being edited out. (laughs) Authenticity, staying curious, being bold. Gratitude. Gratitude. um, Um, Serving. Serving. And then like being a public servant always. Mm -hmm. And then where's that sixth one at? (laughs) <laughs> you're an ass where's it at you gotta find well, it because we changed it from it's not the daydream anymore oh yeah daydream yeah you're so funny she's now now we're on the I website know where, i know where they're at right here because <laughs> <laughs> now you oh curate connections duh oh duh what we're doing where's right that now one right there oh I, oh it's in that. okay <sighs> all right let me start over again <laughs> Authenticity, curating connections, staying curious, being bold. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Living in gratitude and being always a public servant. <laughs> nice. Maybe you guys should whittle that from six down to like two. 
Yeah, sure. Easy on the recall. <laughs> because because we can't um or just stop when we start forgetting and yeah. be like, yeah, we have four. Yeah. <laughs> and the next time they'll be like, well, didn't you say, yeah, well, those are the other two. <laughs> and I have a memory of a goldfish. So you can ask, like, I already forgot your name. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what happens when you have twins, which you have twins. Uh, so many twins going on in this podcast. There are. Do you have twin boys or girls? I have girls. You have uh, girls. That's right. How old are yours? Mine will be 11 next week. Oh my gosh, 11. Yeah. What is that like? Oh, well, do you have be boys careful. or girls? I have two girls and they're three. Okay, sweet. Uh, is, it a lot like, is it a lot like being yeah, three? It's all about <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Um, so mine just started middle school and middle school is a pretty significant shift. Right. Um, but they're, they're great. They're pretty grounded. That's good. Um, I think immune to a lot of the middle school stuff that they're encountering at the moment. Oh, middle well, school good. stuff. That's good. Forgot about that. But we all have such fond memories of middle school, right? Right. Yeah. I'm like already it's getting sweaty over life. here. I'm like getting nervous. Like, is someone about to come around the corner and bully me? <laughs> I went to like two different middle schools. So I'm trying to like figure out which memories She's are such coming a weirdo when it comes to the school which school <laughs> so is that you just have the two girls just the two yeah okay i have the two girls and then i always seem to forget i have a third one <laughs> <laughs> who's 18 months so wow. that's a boy not a girl wow. so i'm really nervous about the junior high high school because they're all going to be in the same schools it's you know that mm-hmm almost all levels so most importantly though are you instilling a love for water in them yeah <laughs> i hope so yep they um they are painfully aware of what i do and, good uh, yeah um all right back on track bringing it back okay so <laughs> <laughs> so sure there's a lot of sexy tech and engineering and software going on behind the scenes but um, kind of like we've already hinted at, what we love most about what you guys are doing is you're adding this, or you're giving utilities the benefit of this added communication that they can provide to their end users and, and you know, even to make have their own staff be more knowledgeable of, of what's going on. So can you give some real life examples of how that information is being a benefit to them because the the thing I'm thinking about goes back to one of your blogs again and it was about some work that you guys did with Denver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, and how do you even choose one example? <laughs> um, so we may think, so we get unsolicited thank yous um, and stories pretty much every week um, from our users, which That's awesome. warm our hearts. Yeah. Feel like we're moving in generally the right direction. Yeah. Um, one that sticks with me, and I think this was from Folsom, California, um, and it sticks with me because I also have smallish children, and so I've sort of lived this. But the note was basically like, "Hey, my kids left the hose on in the backyard, and I probably wouldn't have known about this for days, um, but I got an alert on my phone, and I was able to source it." And mm-hmm turn things off before, you know, I got a large bill or flooded the backyard or who knows. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was super cool and yeah. um, probably has happened many other times that did not necessarily result in a note back to us. Um, you mentioned Denver Water. So 
we did a pretty cool project with Denver Water where they were interested in digital communication and engagement mm -hmm. um, on the heels of a long-standing paper engagement campaign that they had run. So they spent kind of a bunch of money um, sending, you know, kind of witty paper uh, engagement letters out to a select number of Denver Water customers. Mm -hmm. And then they measured the water use efficiency benefit of that. It was pretty small. Um, and so they transitioned over to drop counter and basically targeted the exact same folks, yeah. gave them access to the drop counter platform. And then at the end of the day, we measured about an 8% uh, usage reduction. So um, wow. I think the original benefit was quite small. Mm -hmm. um, on the order of like one or two percent um, and to ultimately get eight percent in a much more cost effective way um, was kind of the outcome of, of that project so um pretty cool to do that with denver water which i think is well known for yeah. billboards and advertising and all sure. of this sort of makes you laugh a little bit and internalize the water conservation message yeah that's funny so um we've been talking a little bit about um kind of customer satisfaction as it relates to the way that a utility does communicate with their customers. And JD Power and Associates did this survey of like 40,000 water utility customers across the country, I think in like uh, 87 different utilities or something like that. Um, and I think it was like the 2018 residential water utility customer survey. I say that. So if anybody wants to Google it, that's what you Google and a press release from that report comes up, but um, kind of going towards similar work of what you did with Denver and talking about just how when customers remembered one proactive communication, like in the last three months of when that survey took their satisfaction scores jumped by like 20% mm -hmm. and that those results, just further increased the more times they could remember being having a communication piece coming from their customers. So um, it's just, I thought it was, first of all, I love that JD Power is doing that kind of a survey for related to water, but um, even more so how what we tried to stress the last presentation that we gave was even if you're a tiny utility that can only do you know, a tiny bit, just that tiny bit will translate into mm -hmm. much higher satisfaction ratings from your customers. And so then just imagine if you invested a wee bit more into mm -hmm. being able to provide, you know, just a step beyond that, like what kind of satisfaction scores you could get from your customers, which are going to come in handy the next time you need to ask for, mm -hmm that pipeline replacement program or, or something along that route. So um, that's, I really found that case study with Denver to be really interesting because the results kind of fell mm -hmm. parallel mm -hmm. to those, those results also. Mm -hmm. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, JD Power does a nice job with those um, survey reports kind of along those lines. Um, we have some data coming out soon. I don't want to give away the punchline, but we're looking at sort of an extension of that where if you assume that satisfaction is a function of recency of information communication and also a correlator, how do you correlate you know, that to actual action in terms of a conservation benefit? So we've looked at um, the impact of different messages over time. So Message gets sent via drop counter, 
what is the usage reduction the day after that message is sent versus two days versus three days versus nice. like two weeks later. Cool. And so there's a pretty clear drop off in the trends that we've seen. Which I know you're going to let us see this ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I know you're going to let us see this. <laughs> oh, how cool. Breaking news, this leak coming out. Ooh, <laughs> good kind of leak. I like it. This is cool. So it's super interesting for us. I mean, we think a lot about like, how do you communicate with folks at the right level without mm -hmm. necessarily uh, sending them too much information? So there's a balance point there that I think we all need to understand. Uh, yeah. It depends on the person, it depends on the message. But again, another application for data. Use the data to understand how to solve the problem in a more efficient way. Love it. Most importantly, use it, like you just said, and not just hoard all this data and then do nothing with it. <laughs> it's, I mean, can be used as a great um, teaching tool, influencing tool, mm -hmm. just, we've got a lot of problems out there in the water world. We should be using all the resource that we, resources that we have at our fingertips to make the most impact. Well, thanks for that segue. Ooh. I'm going to ask you a little bit about, um, I'm sure you spend quite a bit of time at conferences. We love conferences. Um, but they can be hit or miss sometimes. And um, the ROI really comes when you bring something home versus mm -hmm. going to the conference and hoarding all that information inside of you. So what's something that you do to get the best ROI out of a conference? I think for me personally, um, the sole purpose of going to conferences is you know, to learn, uh, mm -hmm. but also learn through relationships. Yeah. So I'm pretty focused typically on what does the participant list look like um, mm -hmm. in terms of not only a general distribution of different utilities and different folks from the four corners of the industry, mm -hmm. but also how stratified is it? Is it a lot of, you know, sort of, you know, entry level folks, is it exclusively mm -hmm. executives or is it sort of a mix of, of all of those? Sure. Uh, so for me, I'm looking for a nice cross section of what the industry looks like today, just to have conversations and learn from these folks. And I think where we go as a company mm -hmm. is certainly influenced by where our customers think that the industry is going. So again, having their ear, um, yeah is a huge factor for us in terms of what drives us uh, at Drop Counter. And going back to your whole um, being people before vendors, um, I love that approach. And also for utilities, understanding that the more um, transparent you are in the issues that you're having, the concerns that you're having, um, your wish list of things you wish you could accomplish, like being more transparent of that and open about that with the people on the other side of the equation who are trying to create solutions for those problems. The more information that you give is that means there's ultimately going to be better things created to help you solve those problems. Like sometimes I feel like on the public side and I can say this because I was on the public side for a period of time, you, when, when people from outside start asking you a lot of questions, you start getting guarded or feel like, mm -hmm. um, you know, how is this going to be sold back to me later? Or, you know, there's kind of a lot of crazy things that get thought in. Um, that's just the nature of it. And so like now having kind of been on the outside and having gotten to meet companies like you who are genuinely interested in um, like 
obviously you have your own families to take care of and you would like to make <laughs> a profit and revenue, but at the same time, like you're genuinely interested in solving problems for this industry. And just, I would like to see there be more utilities kind of open up a little bit more about what they really need, the problems that they're facing and how um, the private sector can be a part of solving those problems. And so just letting down the guard just a little bit and just having those dialogues and creating those relationships and that, and that opening those lines of communication, because I feel like there's not just one person who's going to solve all these problems. It's going to be this collective group of people passionate about creating change that are going to ultimately make that change. So it's my little therapy moment right there. <laughs> um, the whole idea of job counter came out of you being a customer and wanting to know more about your usage. So, um, and I think you, I already know that you're going to know the answer to this question, but if you take off your CEO hat and put on your customer hat for a second, like who actually does supply you your drinking water? Um, so I get my drinking water through Redwood city, uh, which ultimately comes from San Francisco PUC. Hetch Hetchy. It's delicious nice. water. It's great. It's delicious. Delicious. Um, so from a customer perspective, like how do you think they're doing? Would you do anything differently? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a loaded question. You can <laughs> so pick I, your marketing machine for that one. Great. Uh, I can say that um, Redwood City is not a customer of ours. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that they're they're doing a great job in terms of um, outreach and communication. I know that um, Redwood City is kind of ahead of the curve in terms of a smart meter deployment. Oh, okay, um, so cool. I do have access to hourly information. Um, it's just actually displayed to me through um, a website, so I don't I don't log in and check that particularly often. Um, yeah. I probably check in more so than the average consumer, just based yeah, on interest. Um, yeah, outside of that, I think um, Redwood City does a great job. Um, it's it's a growing community. Um, it's kind of at the the leading edge of development for technology here. And uh, so there's a lot of competing priorities that they have, I think, as a city in terms of managing growth and obviously managing the services uh, that support that growth. So uh, interesting times in this area. Yeah. Well, I'm just happy that you know where your water source comes from because most people don't. I mean, obviously you have a vested reason in, for knowing <laughs> that, but you know, you could have surprised me and been like, yeah, I don't know, it comes from the faucet. <laughs> I drink straight out of the hose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. And this can be from personal, professional, whichever angle you want to take this, but what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, boy. Um, well, I think maybe this speaks to me more because we are a small company um, with a lot of competing priorities, but, you know, control what you can control and try not to worry about everything else on the fringe. Um, I think my to-do list is revolves day on day. And um, I think I've just had to learn to accept that I can't do everything that I would like to in any given day and just mm -hmm. try to control the things that are, most important uh, in terms day, of being yeah. successful in that day. So uh, that's, I don't know, maybe personal, maybe professional, maybe both. Um, it's at sure. least 
leads to hopefully sanity preservation. <laughs> Dig it. All right. We're going to do a um, wrap up flash mix um, lightning round. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> it, it'll go as fast as you want. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us? Favorite book. Oh boy. Or podcast or nope i wanted to be a book okay wants it to be a book so i should say that i'm notoriously bad with books so so even you I, was, I was a voracious reader as a kid mm. and i was just reading all the time i'd reread book series that was how i spent a lot of my time um as a semi-functional grown-up um i have less time to read and I'm also pretty like gripped by ADD, I think, when I read books. So I always have like multiple books going at any given point in time. Yeah. And I would say my like my completion rate on books is probably low. Like there's plenty that I get halfway. Do you have through. a spreadsheet of your completion rate? Because I feel like <laughs> as an engineer, you probably do. That's a metric that I just made up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so, I do have two. I okay, do have okay. two in the rotation. So um, <laughs> one is, and I'm going to blank on the title, but it's actually an Amazon download. I have it on an iPad, which I read airports and planes primarily. It's um, focused on scrum methodology. So again, small team, lots of stuff going on, just trying to figure out better ways or kind of the most current thinking around scrum in terms mm -hmm. of how to execute product feature development um, on our end. And then the other one that sadly has been on my bedside table for a long time with intermittent uh, reading is called Conscious Capitalism. Mm. Pretty, it's been out a while. It's, um, it was actually written by the CEO of Whole Foods. And it kind of tells the story of Whole Foods, um, you know, starting as almost a local co-op uh, style market all the way through like the growth and national expansion. And I think some of their founding principles and how they've tried to keep those intact uh, along the ride. So nice. I'm not done with either one of those books, just to be clear. <laughs> hey, that's, that's all good. And I mean, I have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to be able to actually read something that I want to read. So I get it on the whole not having of the time spectrum. Um, but is there something since books are kind of like, not your thing <laughs> or is there like another resource that you'd say you have to read this blog or you have to follow this person or like who's mm -hmm. your go-to resource can't live without yeah i think um i have a few different news resources that i try to tap into some of them are tech related some of them are water related um you know, TechCrunch and Hacker News uh, are two of sort of my default um, options for technology-related content. Uh, Maven's Notebook, um, I love what she does. I read what she, what she sends out pretty much every day. Uh, DWR in the state of California, they have a nice listserv um, compilation of content as well. Uh, so those are some of the things that I try to check in on. I, I think I used to be more active on Twitter, mm -hmm. but it became too much noise for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Again, trying to control what I can control in terms right. of uh, educational content. Mm -hmm. So then what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Oh boy. Um, Lists. 
I am a le- I, uh, I am a freak for lists. <laughs> so yeah, I have like I have my monthly objective list, which boils okay. down to weekly in all areas of my life, and it's all like subcategorized. And then every day, that's basically what I do in the morning, uh, if not the night before, is basically line out the next day in terms yeah. of what I'm trying to do. And again, I sort of grapple with realism versus optimism in terms of what I'm actually going to get done in a given day, but I live and die by the list. So do you keep them, because I saw, it looked like you were kind of looking at a list, (laughs) do you keep it somewhere with you like all the time, or is it on paper, (laughs) is it in your phone? Yeah, so um, I've been hooked on Evernote for a really long Uh, time. Yeah, we are too. I'm sure there are other products out there, but they've got, you know, like, seven years of lists mm-hmm. and information on me probably not going anywhere um, so yeah that's basically where everything lives and everything's linked across multiple computers in my phone so i'm in that list on one device or another probably mm-hmm. every 15 minutes nice. okay so one thing that we asked this question of all our guests it's our it's our big closer so make sure your answer is Amazing. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Um, <laughs> um, so in our in our roles, we've had we've had people say, "Well, you know, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person. Me making a change isn't going to make a difference." And we obviously 100% disagree with that statement. Mm-hmm. We believe that one person um, one person doing something can inspire others to do something. So. What's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? That is a big question. Um, Well, I actually just saw this in the last week or so. Um, I saw it in mural form um, in a shared office space um, in San Francisco. And it really resonated with me. Um, I believe it says, no one is coming it's up to us, which is in some ways kind of terrifying, Yeah, <laughs> but, but I think it's empowering and motivating at the same time. And you know, I think it's easy in a lot of aspects of your life to like figure or assume that someone else will be along to figure it out. Um, but in so many things, you know, if you accept responsibility and you're accountable and you take responsibility for solving the problem, um, and the absence of this idea that someone else is going to come and do it for you mm-hmm. that can help you profess perhaps personally as well as professionally. I like that one. Yep. I like it, Barnett. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a picture of it. And uh, is this a place you go to regularly? Is it your, yeah, so this, this is our shared office space. Oh, okay. um, so Please somebody else take I can't take credit it. for it. It's up on the wall, but, um, I like it. Yeah. Can you take a picture and send it to us? We'll put it up on the blog. I mean, on I the podcast. To. Yeah. I'd love to. That'll be cool. And man, I thought there was something else I was going to ask you to do, but that is it. That's all. All right. <laughs> I didn't mean to end it that way. I wow. Yeah. You really, where, you left, he was on a high and you just took it right, right down. Hard stop. Ready to save the world. And now I'm sad. Uh, no, we, this has been great. We're, we're obviously big fans of the work that you guys are doing and we're excited about the opportunities that we've get to have working together, like on this panel and kind of, 
getting to share that shared love for, mm-hmm. for water in, um, being in industry participants. Yes. Being people. I'm going to use that one. Vendors. That is our, <laughs> that's going somewhere and it's going all to attributed directly to you. So go to the vision board. Oh yeah. It's going to go on the vision board. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate, uh, you taking time out of your busy CEO life and uh, giving us some insight into, into y'all and into your take on the industry. Well, thanks. Super fun conversation. Can't wait to see you guys in Vegas and uh, I'll look forward to the panel discussion that you guys have with Marianne. Nice. All right. Um, I was going to say adios, muchacho. Because it's with the panel. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Rob today. We definitely did when recording it. Visit the h2aduo.com forward slash water in real life for the show notes. So we timestamp them for you and we include links to any of the resources that we mentioned during the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list. I promise we won't bug you. We just let you know when podcasts are released and we only send something out when we have something legit to say. So if you're an iTunes listener, you can do us a solid and rate and review us there. And be sure to follow us and our shenanigans on Instagram and Twitter. The handle for both is at the underscore H2 duo. We try to go to as many conferences as we can because that's where we get to meet all of you awesome people in real life. So if you see us mention that we're going to be somewhere and you know that you're going to be there, please reach out to us. Um, and introduce yourself like we won't think it's weird (laughs) Uh, trust us we just we really truly enjoy meeting people and and meeting our followers and our listeners and getting to know y'all better so please come say hi if you know we're going to be where you're at shout out to our sponsor again master meter they've been a believer in the h2 do since the beginning and we appreciate them so much learn more about them and what they've got going on at the h2duo.com forward slash master meter We hope you learned something new today, got a little different perspective, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goals. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.